this summer. Your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines, American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. Howdy, everybody. It's a big day here at the Radio Ranch. We got the Singing Cowboys coming up and a whole lot more. Brought to you by Jace, home of the Jace case. Now, you've heard me talk a lot here on the ranch about the use of Jace case from Jace Medical. Oh, they don't have anything for snake bites yet, but I hope they do. The Jace case holds five of the most important antibiotics. It's not just biotics, it's antibiotics for emergency use. Now, I heard one of them guys talking on the radio on this there podcast, and he was saying that antibiotics, the shortage is getting even worse than it was. Well, now you can get all those antibiotics. I don't know about the biotics, but the anti-ones you can get for a 12-month backup supply of your prescription medication in case of an emergency. Plus, you can get a whole bunch of other medications like cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, and so much more. I like these Jace Case people. Why don't you check them out at jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical.com. Enter the promo code of my favorite cowboy, Beck, at checkout and save. jacemedical.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. The book Dark Future is out today. You can find it at glensnewbook.com. That's glensnewbook.com. Order it uh, and uh, make sure a, a hard copy is sent to you. Uh, it is a look at what is, is being designed for you. The first book went into ESG. Most people don't know what ESG is. It is a system very much like the Chinese system. Uh, of uh, social credits when you have enough social credits you can do whatever it is you want to do if you don't have enough social credits well you can't do really anything that the state tells you you can't do i want to show you how insidious this is unesco uh put out a a brochure and they are working with your local community you have to get involved in your local community unesco puts out this uh, thing on how things are going to be somewhere in 2030. Now, this is their view for 2030. Tell me this is the idea of America. His boss says uh, it works well. 
Uh, wait, 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 wait. Let me see if I have to start right. Uh, is really out of luck. Here it is. Jay is just one of the thousands of families of migrants forced into exile by wars, famines, and global warming. The couple and their two children are extremely fortunate because this is an open country and a welcoming city. After weeks of difficulties out on the street, an NGO provided them with a new identity document and secured it by blockchain registration, which allows them now to receive aid. They also found somewhere to stay at the homed. Everyone calls it the hive. Scaffolding and stairs were added to a huge windowless wall on which humanitarian organizations hung prefabricated housing units, 3D printing. But Jay doesn't know what that is. It may be small, but it still beats sleeping out on the street. Kay still lives with her family in the slums where she was born. On the surrounding uh, wasteland, she can see signs of a new city being built. The advertising posters call it a smart city with beautiful images showing a dream life. A local counselor came to talk to them about replacing the slums with this sort of modern habitat and even said that some slum population would be housed there. But the dream really seems remote. In the immediate future, the young woman and her partner are mainly interested in improving their lives and those of their neighbors in their local environment by joining volunteer organizations, NGOs. Her partner, not her husband, her partner has just participated in a geo-addressing operation with volunteer organizations. Volunteers registered the GPS coordinates of each housing unit of small shops, of the dispensary, of the water fountains, and the collective bins, the nurses, and the neighborhood advisors. Now everyone has a map and a small directory with all of these addresses. The lucky ones will have direct access with their smartphones, while others still need to ask one of their more fortunate neighbors. Last year, she helped organize a collective waste collection project, as rush rubbish is a major problem here. First, volunteers were needed to collect waste using a bicycle and a trailer. And then the neighbors needed to be convinced to take their bags of refuse to the collectors. The project became successful when the public uh, authorities, who hadn't organized the waste collection themselves in the first place, paid a subsidy half to pay the collectors who did the real job and half to reward the local population with gift vouchers. They met three years ago when they were both on the team of volunteers tasked with showing the local population how to use M-Pesa, an electronic wallet system for low-income households without bank accounts. They use it on their mobile phones. She'll soon be a member of the delegation having a roundtable with city officials to listen and discuss improvements. He's somewhat skeptical. His view is that up to now, uh, the, uh, up to now, uh, the appointment, this doesn't make any sense, sends her a taxi drone. At this point, the service is only used for the type needed to avoid traffic jams. M 
is a community activist who is determined to combat everything he refers to as Big Brother. He believes in the long run, the installation of cameras and sensors in the city, facial recognition software and all forms of biometric identity. Also, the work of robots who read his emails and social network posts are a threat to privacy of individuals and to the freedom of social life. His view is that services provided, even when they're free, neither compensate nor justify being spied on. Well, the N family has always believed in clean forms of transport. And the last time they moved, they compared neighborhoods using their cyclable and walkable note. That's an index that measures how convenient walking and cycling is, sometimes referred to as the 15-minute city. Oh my gosh, does this sound like a dream? We have not been given these citizens' names because we could find almost all of them on any continent in megacities which have made the transition towards smaller cities to a greater or lesser degree. But they could be our children in 2030. Their traditions, cultures, religions, sure, are different. But these citizens share increasingly globalized lifestyles, those of smart cities. Stu, I don't know about you, but that sounds great. Mm, I uh, mean, I, can, I could volunteer to pick up trash if I wanted to. Utopia. And maybe the government would give me a gift certificate, <laughs> right? We get wow. uh, U.S. bucks that are only available to spend in certain stores. Maybe programmable digital currency would be it. Oh, way we to... could get it. Get it. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yes. Sounds great. <laughs> now, I also like the fact that you can only use a car occasionally if it's really important um, because everything else you have to walk. And there's nothing I love more. Uh, sure, my grocery store is 15 minutes from my house, and I have to climb up scaffolding, apparently, to get to my little pod. Um, but uh, I don't mind carrying those groceries around town. Do you? No. Oh, right? no. This sounds like a dream come true. Imagine the exercise you'd get uh, carrying them around. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's all about health. Exactly right. Now, a lot of people, your friends, will tell you this is crazy, and that's okay. Don't waste your time on people who are just not willing to ask honest questions. And you have to have the honest answers. Um, somebody who asks you an honest question is someone who will change if you can prove it to them. Nobody's asking those anymore, and that's our biggest problem in America. Nobody is asking an honest question. They want to win. They want to show that you're a dummy. You're a conspiracy theorist. Or on the other side, you're just a Marxist socialist that has to die. Okay? Um, I really want to know what the truth is. And I don't want this to be the truth. But our government and the governments of the world and the media of the entire world they are not telling you the things that are going on. Do you know that 37% of Americans currently report on being very or somewhat familiar with ESG? That's not good. 36% unchanged from the 37% last year, 36%. Another 22% are not that familiar. And 40% are not familiar at all. I saw a poll uh, that was done by Gallup. And 
this is what they were this is what they were describing uh esg as uh esg includes factors like the record of a business on human rights the environment and diversity or other social values and some people take these factors into account when making decisions about buying products and services for investing mm, re- really because that no that's mm-mm. that's not what esg is would you say that is what esg is that's what they like you to believe it is that is exactly ESG. what they hope you don't believe. You, they hope you don't believe anything about it, right? They hope you don't know what it is at all. They, I, I can't Correct. tell you how many reports I've heard of like, well, if you're talking about three-letter acronyms, uh, you're losing. And uh, that's why it's not, no, no candidates should be discussing this. Though we have seen the ones that do discuss it seem to make real inroads. They seem to be making a, a big difference and and moving the race a little bit. So I don't know. I mean, wow, I, but they're still losers. They're yeah. still losers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, by the way, on uh, on Friday, uh, we're covering the uh, Family Leadership Summit. Um, we are uh, going to be uh, covering the first presidential forum of the 2024 primaries. I got news last night. I don't even know if this is true that Donald Trump is. Uh, may not show up we hope he does um it's it's not our event so i know he was invited if he wasn't invited and and wasn't really thinking about coming i don't know if i would have agreed to uh to host the coverage because we got to have all of them there i want to see how donald trump handles um the same questions that everybody else is going to be uh handling um, but we hope if you're a fan of his, encourage him to go to the family leadership summit. I, I think he said yesterday that he had something that he just couldn't get out of. Um, but I really hope that he shows up anyway. Uh, we have that all day Friday and you'll see all of the candidates, I think, except for Trump. I don't think we're leaving any of the 400 out. Are they? Uh, and, uh, and Tucker Carlson is going to be interviewing them. You'll be able to see this on YouTube, but we also have an exclusive interview with Tucker Carlson. I'm going to be talking talking to uh, Tucker for about an hour after this is all over. I'm going to be joining him uh, on stage for an exclusive interview, and that is only for Blaze TV subscribers, and you don't want to miss this. Go ahead on over to blazetv.com slash Glenn, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code will not be censored and get $30 off the annual subscription. That happens on Friday, and you'll be able to see all of our coverage uh, except for the exclusive interview. You'll be able to see all of the coverage that you'll need um, uh, on YouTube, and we'll give you more information on that as we uh, as we go. The problem with the media and everyone else, and I think people are waking up to this. I think they are waking up all around the world to the problems that have been made by the giant institutions and the uh, politicians, the parties, and these uh, global corporations in league with things like the World Economic Forum. And when you have when you have enough evidence that this is a bad idea, you better move quickly if you are those global entities. 
You better get us roped in so there's no way out. Right now, there is a way out. Right now, you can do something about it. But the first thing you have to do is educate yourself and others. Dark Future takes, picks it up where um, the Great Reset leaves off. This shows you now the next phase, and we're in it right now. So much of this is reading like a newspaper. We laid this to rest, I think, for print. I don't even know, back in December. Uh, and so, you know, we were thinking, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Is this even going to be relevant because things are happening so fast? It's all happening right now. Uh, and it is really important for you to share it with a friend. You're going to be able to get the um, the audio version soon that's coming out uh, soon. The paper version is available for right now. Just go to glensnewbook.com. That's glensnewbook.com. Get it today. It's available today. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. This is the Glenn Beck program. Out today, my new book called Dark Future. You can get it wherever books are sold today. Is, um, it is out, and it is extremely important. It is the follow-up of The Great Reset, uh, and it will show you the technology that The Great Resetters will use to be able to shape a new society. Justin Haskins is my co-author, and he uh, joins me today. I, I want to read something that Yuval Harari uh, has said. Now, he is a futurist and what is he, a sociologist? What, what, what are his credentials? Oh, Do you know, I don't know. He, he's an academic yeah. for sure. Philosopher. Yeah, he's, an, he's right. He's a philosopher. And he's unfortunately right about an awful lot of things. But we're talking about how um, the algorithms now are going to have to be tweaked by humans to make sure that there isn't uh, some unseen consequence that might hurt gays, blacks, whatever. Uh, he said, we will face now individual discrimination. It might be based on a good assessment of who you are. If an algorithm employed by a company looks up your Facebook profile or DNA, trawl through school and professional records, they could figure out pretty much accurately who you are. You will not be able to do anything about this discrimination, first of all, because it's you. They won't discriminate on you because you're Jewish or gay, but because you are you. The worst thing is, it will be true. It took centuries, even thousands of years, for us to reap the rewards of decisions made by our forebears, for example. Uh, growing wheat that led to the agricultural revolution, but not anymore. Time is accelerating. The long term may no longer be defined in centuries or millenniums, but in the terms of 20 years. This is the first time in history we have no idea how human society will be, or if it will be, in a couple of decades. Stealing, for example, has become so complicated in today's world. Back in biblical times, Mr. Harari said, this is in the New York Times, if you were stealing, you were aware of your actions and their consequences on your victim. But theft today could entail investing, even unwittingly, in a very profitable but unethical corporation that damages the environment and employs an army of lawyers and lobbyists to protect itself from lawsuits and regulations. 
Am I stealing a river? Asked Mr. Harari. Even if I'm aware, I don't know how the corporation makes its money. It'll take me months or even years to find out what my money is doing. And during that time, I'll be guilty of so many crimes to which I would know nothing about. The problem is understanding the extremely complicated chains of cause and effect. My fear is that Homo sapiens are just not up to it. We've created such a complicated world that we're no longer able to make sense of what is happening. Wow. Yeah. So this you understand in a very deep way what ESG is. You can't understand. And even if you do understand, you can't balance it in your cute little head. That's why you'll listen to the experts. The experts that have developed ESG and now the algorithms that will enforce it. And you don't know how it is it is produced. However, does it matter? No, it actually works to the advantage of the the elite ruling class. Yeah, I mean, if you think about discrimination historically, the reason why you have discrimination is because it's really hard to stop the people when you're in charge of everything. It's really hard to stop the people you don't like from doing the things that you don't want them to do. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you make generalizations. You say, well, generally speaking, you know, the problem is the Jews. Like, that's what that's what they did in Nazi <laughs> Germany. That's the problem. Right. Generally speaking, right. maybe not every we Jew. Wouldn't have, right. We wouldn't have all these problems with these Jews if we just didn't have all these Jews. <laughs> right. And so, what, and so, because they didn't know every single thought about every single person. They didn't know every single decision that everyone is making. They have to make generalizations and then persecute whole groups of people. That's how it works, right? So then, but now they can know every single thing about every single person. They can. They are collecting all of this data and building machines specifically for the purpose of processing that data so that they can know you better than you know yourself. Another Yuval Harari quote we talk about in the book. He, he says this, quote, new technologies could hijack democracy and even our sense of self. Technology will be a new tool for discrimination, not against groups, but individuals. So if you are out of, I mean, if you are you, if you're listening to this program, if the, if this falls into the hands of the, the people who already it's in the hands of, and it remains there, you are the target. And if you happen to be on the other side of the argument, I just want you to know Technology doesn't in revolutions don't usually end the way you think it does. It usually ends with somebody else in charge, not you. This could be used as a weapon against you. And you are already committing all kinds of crimes. If you look at climate crimes, just on how you're investing, where do you buy your gas? All of that stuff. Yes, you're already guilty. 
They've already made that determination. And when they give you a score, the whole purpose of an ESG score is so that you know how guilty you are so that you can correct your behavior. And if you don't correct your behavior, then they're going to punish you or they'll reward you if you do correct your behavior. That's the choice that you make. And a lot of people, I think, believe, well, I, I'm not going to allow this to happen to me. I'm not, I'm, you know, I, I have some technology in my life, but for the most part, I'm not going full bore on all these things. What you have to understand is that the amount of data that is being collected on you, uh, just the average regular already. everyday person already is enough for them to know virtually anything they want to know about you just with a Facebook so, uh, profile. They can do that. They've actually done studies where they've shown that just with just Facebook's data alone, they know almost everything about you. They know where you live. They know who your friends are. They know who you're married to. They know whether you're gay, whether you're whether you're straight. They know everything about you just using Facebook data. They can come to these conclusions, reading your posts and doing other things. Let me tell you something, a story that um, happened to me. Stu, I think you were there uh, right after September 11th. Were you, work- you were working with me after September 11th, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, Glenn. Yes, we were working together on September. Just, I can't even. I don't know, because there were times where you're like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little girl. I'm flighty. I might not work with you this week. Well, anyway. I, I did have uh, some, uh, I some sleeper cell stuff I was working on at that time. But yes, we were yes, working together. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the, the, uh, the 20th hijacker, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, after, after September 11th, do you remember that, that group that came in and was doing work with the Department of Homeland Security? And they showed us technology. This is 2001. They showed us technology to where they could target individuals and say, okay, this individual is a suspect, a terrorist suspect. uh, And they could zero in on his home. We could know whether he was home just by his water usage. We knew everything about his friend network. Um, because of any data cell in his phones or anybody he called or reached out to. So we could then, if he decided to leave, we'd know immediately he hasn't been in the house in 24 hours. Where is he? And it would automatically go and check all the airlines, all the trains, all the rental cars. And it would also check all of the houses of the people that we know he knew to see if their water usage went up by one person. That was 2001. Yeah. Imagine there's, there's no escape. The time at the time it was basically to say, Hey, like we're really getting good at catching terrorists. And of course at the time it was a huge priority. Obviously it's still a priority, but the, the, the sensitivity uh, for most people was about terrorism and not about privacy. And now I know, Glenn, you've always been on that bandwagon of worrying about that and how it could spin out of control. But at the time, it's, this was something they were it, bragging about. Yep. I, I remember I was at uh, General Motors mm, 2002, Stu, and uh, the Premier Radio Networks had worked to get General Motors on for 20 years. And everybody was doing General Motors. And uh, I liked General Motors at the time. And then they got into bed with the government. And I wasn't concerned about the bailouts they were receiving. I was concerned about technology that they had showed me in Detroit at their center. I was watching the OnStar 
program and it was a giant room this is you know 2001 or two five maybe um it was a giant room with a screen of the united states of america and it had lights on every car that was using onstar in america and we were talking about how you know they could turn the engine off at this time they could unlock the doors everybody knows that but they could also turn the engine off uh so if you were being pursued and i said boy that's kind of dangerous do you ever do that and they said well we've done it for some amber alert cases but we would never do further than that i can guarantee you now every car company in the world will shut your car down if you are wanted or needed. You don't need car chases anymore. Uh, I, I think maybe they're just saving it for the feds to be able to do that, uh, to not shock everybody into, oh, man, wait, what? They yeah. can do anything right yeah, now. Right. And, and this is and this is the you know, you, you mentioned the stuff that happened after September 11th and some of the surveillance state stuff growing in the United States and how concerning all of that is. And that is that was very concerning that the problem that we have now is that you still you have the government increasing surveillance in all sorts of different ways, including with smart cities and other things, even for not even investigating criminals necessarily, just in general surveilling people. And then on top of it, you have a whole class, basically everybody in America almost has voluntarily given all of their information and privacy over to five big tech companies, something like that. And together, those and five they're all in bed and they're all in bed with government. So so there's yes. literally like six organizations in the in the world that control almost all of the relevant data for the average American. There's like six companies and they if you include the government as a company and they all are working together, they're all working together to. And once they realized that they could do this and systematize it with ESG, they realized that they could control anything that they wanted in society. And I think they were banking on the fact that no one would figure it out until it was too late. And because well, they, they screwed up with the Great Reset using a crazy slogan that tipped that tipped us off to it, honestly. And then after that, once we discovered what ESG really was, we've now moved into a new era of being able to push back against it. But they had been building that infrastructure for decades and nobody even realized that it was going on. And you know what's crazy is the way the, way the government got people to do this, you know, because the tech people, they were all libertarians. We were all libertarians 20 years ago, and they were like, I hate the government just as much as you do, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the way they got it to, to, uh, to get them in is through global warming. They were also global warming fanatics. And when the government said, we'll do ESG through the banks, we'll do it through all of our powers, but we need your help to do it and enforce it. They were all more than willing to jump in because it was good for the planet. And I hope that they see now what they're actually in for. This has nothing to do with global warming and has everything to do with control. Dark Future is the name of the book, and it is out today wherever books are sold. Grab your copy now. You can go to Glenn's New Book. Uh, com and order there or order wherever you get your books. The best of the Glenn Beck program. There is a guy who is on the periphery of, of news and has, has kind of pierced the bubble of what I'm looking at a couple of times. And I, I honestly don't know. 
I, I don't know what questions he wants to ask. I just know that uh, he keeps getting in trouble at the White House uh, because he wants to ask questions. He's from Africa. Um, they may be good questions. I don't know because he's never been able to ask them. And now this last week, they talked about taking away his uh, his credentials. And if you remember when Trump did that with uh, with uh, Acosta, because what was he doing? Disrupting and trying to control the press room. Well, that's what they're saying. This guy does. Uh, And he doesn't do it every day like um, uh, Acosta did. Well, everybody went crazy with Acosta. But in this case, it looks like all the journalists are with the White House, which pisses me off. So I wanted to get him on. His name is Simon Ateba. And he is with, I want to make sure I have this right, the North, oh boy. Simon, I, I screwed it up now. Wait, you are with the North African <laughs> News? What, what are you Today with? News Africa. Today News Africa. Sorry about that. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, what regions do you cover? You're, you're covering the news for how much of Africa? Yes, first of all, thank you for having me on your show, Glenn. Uh, today, sure. News Africa focuses on U.S.-Africa relations, so we don't actually pretend to cover every single thing that happens in Africa, and we don't pretend to cover every single thing that happens in the U.S. We focus on the intersection between the U.S. and Africa. Just to give you an example, okay. last December, President Biden received hosted 50 African leaders in Washington, D.C., those are some of the things that we focus on. Now, the first lady going to Africa, or the, the vice president going to Africa, or every tie and interaction that has to do between, that has to do with Africa and the U.S. That's what we focus on. So, what, Simon, what are the, um, what are the questions that you want to ask that they won't let you ask? No, so many questions. I know the guy from the Washington Post was asking me what's the question. And, you know, we, my office actually told him the same thing. When you are silenced for nine months, uh, you don't have just one question. It means when President Biden is host, hosting African leaders, you have series of questions on everything, national security, um, you know, right now, you know, for instance, that the president of Kenya is asking Africans to drop, to dump the U.S. dollars when it comes to trading between, you know, within Africa. Uh, and you mm-hmm. want to know what the U.S. reaction is. You want to know about China. Right now, China is expanding its influence in Africa, pushing out U.S. And, you know, almost 40% of all the rare mineral resources used by top U.S. companies come from Africa. China is pushing the U.S. out. Russia is expanding the influence. Yet the guy who covers U.S.-Africa relations is not allowed to ask a question in in the White House. Multiple questions, including some of the questions I can't disclose here, um, but it's not just one question. Question change with event uh, and with what is going on. So the uh, the other question that I would have if I were you is, uh, uh, and let me just ask it of you, is is Africa being um, exposed to food shortages because of the war with Russia and Ukraine? 
So it's not, that's the narrative. It's not just because of the war with Russia and Ukraine. If you go to the Horn of Africa, you know, for the past three years, they've been having a severe drought there. Hundreds of thousands of people are starving, not because of the war between Russia and Ukraine, but because of uh, <laughs> uh, drought today and also the fact that people don't have the basic things that they need to, to farm. Um, and so the war in Ukraine represents, to my estimation, maybe just 2% of the hunger in Africa. Hmm, okay. So you tweeted something out last January that said, I've been attacked by pirates on the Gulf of Guinea with an AK-47 to my head, kidnapped in Nigeria, dumped into the woods and left for dead, arrested in Cameroon during investigation, and kept in a dark cell, now only to be sidelined at the White House. I mean, that sounds like kind of a, I mean, where all of the problems, that's probably the best one you've had. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it, my life has been like a movie. And, you know, like everyone else, when you live in a place where you can really be free, when you come to the U.S., you want to protect the First Amendment because you know what it is like to live in a place where uh, you can be arrested and you can be jailed and you can be killed for writing something. And and I think most people who were born in the U.S. and who have never lived outside the U.S. don't really understand how uh, mm-hmm. that the U.S. is still the most advanced and the most powerful country in the world because of the freedoms that we enjoy here. The only country that comes close was more than 2,500 years ago in Athens. All the other people don't have that freedom. And, and and that's why I want to fight for freedom. And all I'm asking her, the press secretary, to do is to understand that, you know, they are not, I'm not a subhuman. I'm in the briefing room, and from time to time, give me a question, especially when President Biden is hosting 50 African leaders to try to strengthen ties between the U.S. and Africa. Um, I'm not asking them to call on me every day, but to leave me there for nine months when I have key questions to ask. And you, uh, you know, you send the Washington Post after me and to say, you know, the guy doesn't have a question. Uh, you know, it, it, it's crazy. So, um, uh, Simon, the, uh, the Washington Post coming after you is, is something despicable. I've, I've never seen it happen before where um, they gang up on the press person. Uh, in defense of the big bad government. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't understand that. Have you been shocked by the reaction of your fellow um, press people? Yeah, yes, I was shocked. And, you know, it, I, I think it happens all the time, the fact that people have to send questions in advance to the press secretary. Even when President Biden is briefing, you know, the scandal a few months ago, a few weeks ago, where a journalist from the LA Times had to send questions and President Biden had her picture, the questions she was going to ask and where she was even seated. And so it's scandalous to have people who are supposed to hold the state accountable, crushing the little guy in the briefing room to save the state, to protect the state. And the Washington Post did a, a, you know, a really sad job, and they sent me really foolish questions, asking me if I was seeking attention and if I want to be on TV and why is it important for them to call on me. And the the guy who sent those questions, he's uh, 
you know, he was really sad to see. I could see it all over the face that he was trying to do a hit job on me. And I've been shocked that people uh, have allowed themselves to become tools of the state instead of holding those in mm. power accountable. Simon, did they try to take away your White House credentials? Yes. So on July 31st, if you read New York Post, Washington Post, and different publications, they decided to change the rules of the to acquire a hard pass. And so on July 31st, my hard pass will expire. And one of the rules that they added is you need to be credentialed by the the Senate gallery, press gallery. And it somehow it's been more than a month now. Uh, I've been waiting on them to um, approve my application, but they've not done that. And without that, I won't be able to renew my hard my hard pass in the White House, so I wouldn't have access so, to the so, and the press briefing. So wait a minute. The, this is a new rule where you have to get the Senate to approve your pass for the White House? Yes. Well, that seems ridiculous, Stu. Have you ever heard of that? No, that's amazing. <laughs> no. Uh, well, we have a couple of Senate friends. We'll, we'll uh, give you, uh, we'll pass on the information to them and see if they can't uh, help you with that. That seems pretty ridiculous. Uh, and that expires then at the end of the month. Yes, on July 31st, the last day of the month. Hmm. And who is that in the hands of? Is that just a Democratic committee or is that a Republican and Democrat committee? Okay, so they, they have an office there, and most of the people who approve your application, I think they are fellow journalists, and most of them are left-leaning journalists. So the, if the White House tells them not to approve your application, they may not likely approve it. Oh, boy. I don't know if there is some, <laughs> some coordination. Uh, and, and, you know, all we are I'm trying sure to do is. is just to make sure we do our job, ask key questions, and focus on U.S.-Africa relations as China and Russia expand their influence. They should actually be assisting us and encouraging us instead of trying to sideline us and silence me in particular. Simon, I have to ask you, just because I ask this of anybody that's in and around the White House, was that your cocaine that they found? <laughs> I just I just needed to know. I, oh my god! <laughs> no, it could wasn't. be anybody. And it wasn't. No, the person Do who you find brought that's... that cocaine. The person who brought that cocaine was likely someone who was protected by the Secret Service. As you know, everyone who comes to the White House, the those the visitors who come on tour, you know, they have to empty their bags. Uh, and where they found it, you know, it went from the library to the West Wing and to the Situation Room. And, and so, and the person who had it is someone who came through the White House, uh, through the executive entrance. And those people are now usually searched by the Secret Service because they are protected by the Secret Service. Hmm. Well, that's, I've always said it was probably Colonel Mustard in the library with the broomstick or something like that. Uh, Simon, thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, if, if we can help you, please let us know. We'll, we'll uh, shoot a couple of calls into senators. But if it's the, the press, they like us less than they like you. So 
it probably won't help. Thank you. Uh, Simon, thank you so much. God bless you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Simon uh, Ateba, and he is uh, today's News Africa Chief White House Correspondent, at least until the end of the month. Boy, you would think it's almost like racist, don't you think, Stu? I mean, it sounds pretty racist. It seemed like they'd be fighting for the freedom of journalists. I thought they cared so much about that, uh, but apparently not. Yeah, apparently not. Na, 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 na.